Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Chris Clark. Chris is the Senior Vice President and Chief Information Officer of Levi Strauss & Company, a $4.5 billion revenue clothing manufacturer and retailer of its iconic denim products. Chris has been the Chief Information Officer for nearly five of his seven years with the company. He and his team have traditional IT responsibilities while also being responsible for digital innovation, focusing on digital transformation, data and AI-driven decision-making and operational excellence. I look forward to hearing more about how each of those apply to a setting like Levi Strauss. Prior to his current role, Chris was a leader at Lululemon and at Gap Inc. Chris, welcome to Technovation. It's great to speak with you today. Yeah, thanks, Peter. Appreciate having me. And now for a word from our partner, Zoho and the company's president, Timothy Casby. Prior to taking on his current role, he was the chief information officer of a number of companies, including Reliance Industries, Sears, Intrexon, and the Warehouse Group. He is now at Zoho, a most unusual enterprise software company, and wanted to share some perspectives from it. Timothy, take it away. Thanks, Peter. Since we started our partnership with you a couple of years ago, we have seen increase of 30 million users on our cloud, totaling now to over 70 million users in the global enterprise using Zoho SaaS platform to run their businesses. One of the reasons for this growth is continuous innovation we have focused on in bringing together disconnected and siloed processes under the platform called Zoho One. Zoho One Suite offers over 50 products to run your business. We have now powered it with Zia, our AI assistant and Zoho's BI analytics platform. This allows users to speak the same language across departments and organizations through predictions and insights the platform provides. Learn more at zoho.com one. And now a quick word from our sponsor, Cisco, and the company's chief information officer, Jackie Gushalar. As we enter a time of hybrid work environments, Jackie wanted to take a moment to share how companies can stay ahead of this emerging trend and make informed decisions on the future of work. Jackie, over to you. Hi, this is Jackie Gushalar, SVP and CIO of Cisco. Today, we're at a unique time in history with the ability to redefine work. Work is no longer where you go, it's what you do and how you do it. And it is powered by the convergence of people, technology and places. It's permanently reshaping expectations of both employees and employers alike. To navigate this changing landscape, Cisco's Hybrid Work Index can help you make informed decisions by providing global insights on people's preferences, habits, and technology use in the era of hybrid work. It's based on millions of global data points and insights to help you win the war for talent, accelerate your innovation, and enhance business safety and security. Search Cisco Hybrid Work Index to learn more. Thanks, Jackie. And now on to our broadcast. Well, Chris, uh, maybe you could just take a quick moment and add a little bit more context. Many people uh, who would be listening to this probably not only know, know Levi Strauss, but like me, have some some of uh, like a pair of your jeans in my closet, I know. Uh, but maybe take a moment to talk a bit more about Levi Strauss's business. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a 168-year-old startup is like what we like to say, right? It uh, hasn't always been that way, but certainly in these last several years, uh, we've certainly leaned hard into technology. Uh, investments to really revamp how we show up for the consumer, the customer, and you know, obviously our employees. Uh, so it's a growing business, you know, traditionally a wholesale business, but that uh, very quickly uh, is changing as we lean into uh, direct to consumer um, in our online presence. 
So, so as well as uh, stepping out internationally, internationally is becoming a larger part of the conversation as a business as we, as we step forward. So uh, yeah, so I've been here seven years, head up global technology across all functions and all that that means. And, uh, you know, look forward to this conversation and talking about our digital transformation journey. That's fantastic. We'll talk a bit about your role as CIO. I, I mentioned a couple of things, generally speaking, that fall within your purview, but maybe round that out a little bit further, if you would, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, again, own all of global technology. Uh, so that means you know your your application uh, delivery vertical. So think brand, commercial operations, um, and all that that means. Corporate functions, all of that is is within a delivery standpoint, but also uh, infrastructure and security um, as as well. And so all all of whenever you think about technology, there is a single point of focus within the company, regardless of the seven market clusters you might be involved in around the world globally. Uh, when it comes to technology, uh, it, it comes back and from an overall strategy and architecture perspective into my group. Uh, you know, how we execute obviously, um, you know, varies uh, by market. You know, we've, we've got a very strong presence in the Bay Area. But in recent years, we extended into obviously Westlake, Texas. We've been had a presence there for a while. We've got a presence now in Atlanta. Uh, we've hired our chief information security officer out of the Atlanta area. Uh, we've recently built a global capability center in Bangalore. Um, and so as a global company, you know, kind of building out a global resource model to, uh, you know, service that demand uh, where it is. You Thank you for that overview. And Chris, there's been a lot that's been written about the impact of digital and technical innovation on both manufacturing and retail, uh, a, a two categories that Levi Strauss spans, of course. Um, how are you harnessing trends associated with digital innovation to create competitive advantage for the company? Yeah, we started a, a, this journey, uh, January 2018, um, not many people know this, we kicked off a task force, a data strategy task force, which I led. Uh, at, at the CEO level, Chip was part of that, um, that conversation when we started it and very much involved since. Um, but that was the kind of the start of everything we've been up to in recent years. So 2018 Data Strategy Task Force, we knew data was going to play in, in a growing and important uh, role as we stepped forward. And uh, that Data Strategy Task Force was trying to understanding, hey, how does, what is that for Ellis and Co., right? So kind of in 2018, we, we, we kicked off that work. Uh, in 2019, we started standing behind some early machine learning use cases. Um, and, and we've accelerated that growth from 2019 to 2020, it went 10x uh, investment uh, in, in kind of that machine learning area. And we've grown it since then into 21 and certainly into 22. Um, so that was kind of the journey we've been on. Um, and again, it encompasses a, kind of a business architecture lens. So as you think about digital transformation, you, you need to look at process, right? So think about automation, right? Look at your overall processes, look for those areas of automation just to say, hey, how do we, how do we get more efficient and effective? Actually, how do we operate day to day? But obviously it encompasses data, right? Um, and not in a linear way, right? It's an omnidirectional data flow nowadays, right? And how do you, how do you leverage data in an omnidirectional context to generate value where you might not have known there would be value, right? Um, and so data is obviously an important part of uh, how we think about uh, what we do in digital transformation, certainly technology, uh, the underpinnings of architecture, specifically a platform strategy versus your, your, your solution strategy of days uh, ago, right? Where in a platform, you're, you're thinking about the life cycle 
uh, of both from operations, so process and data flow, and you're building the experiences on top of that uh, platform. Uh, so it's a little bit different thinking as we stepped into this. And of course, you know, people, ways of working, culture, a big part of what we're up to. Uh, you know, you hear a lot about the boot camps, the AIML boot camps that we initiated to start getting the people, the skills they need to work in this environment. So yeah, so it's been a business architecture lens, process, data, technology, people, ways of working and kind of overlaying that against where, where are the opportunities from a consumer perspective, where are the opportunities from a customer and, and certainly employee. So how we like to think about it is, you know, smarter connections with our consumer uh, that, that are driven from an AI ML perspective and leveraging, you know, much more robust data set that we've ever had in the past. Um, that leading into obviously smarter creation of product, right? How do you create the right on-trend product? Uh, so we've done a lot of work in that arena. And of course, smarter commerce. How do, how do we get that product to where it needs to be in the most efficient way possible in an optimized way? Uh, so we're delivering the right on-trend product where it needs to be at the right price, um, at the right quantity, right? So, so I would say AI, ML, digital all lives across those, those domains. Very interesting. And I, I, I want to return to a couple points you made, but one specifically, you, you mentioned uh, the importance of people and culture and uh, some of that transformation, which is so critical to what you've described more generally speaking. You alluded right. to boot camps uh, as a means, presumably, to perhaps up-level or upskill or create a foundational level of knowledge across the team such that your the conversation begins at a higher plane. Uh, talk a bit about, first, let me know if, I, if I, that hypothesis is correct. And secondly, yeah. talk a bit about how you've gone about that. How have you curated the boot camps and the, the, the curriculum behind it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so we've had multiple cohorts. We've had greater than 150 folks uh, flow through those cohorts. And again, this is business and technology resources, right? So as we as we lean into this, it takes the entire company to get behind this. Uh, and so these cohorts are out outfitting these folks with kind of the AI ML skill set to think differently. So if you think planning community and you think demand prediction, right? A lot of the planning community going forward is going to use AI ML in terms of uh, smart, whether that be a smart start or how you manage the demand uh, throughout the cycle. And so we're outfitting like the planning community with these AI ML skill sets so they can better manage uh, that process. Because, you know, frankly, it's it's pivoting into AI ML uh, models to drive, to drive that demand prediction and obviously uh, in season uh, changes as well. So outfitting that, that the, the planning community with those skill sets critical. Same time, obviously, um, you know, when you think about the technology organization, you know, front end, back end engineers, et cetera, um, you know, we're leaning into that across application stacks, AIML. And so to the extent we can get our own technology team uh, upskilled as well, um, that, that's been critical. So we've, we've had multiple cohorts, greater than 150 resources go through that. And those, and those, and those team members come back into the, the organization. And for the most part, we're able to utilize them in, in, in line with you know, several use cases that we have in flight. Uh, whether that be consumer, customer, employee oriented, because we've got multiple uh, use cases in flight. And so they're coming back into the organization with that new skill set, thinking differently about the problem, right? And so, and, and I would say that's coupled with this pivot from pro, um, project to product centric operating models, right? So you think cross functional uh, digital product teams uh, in these agile pods, all oriented on a value stream, right? And so, as these folks come out of out of these uh, these training events, we, we can plug them in more effectively. Um, so, so obviously, design thinking, agile ways of working is critical to to this whole digital transformation. 
in a certain AI ML skill set um, obviously enhances our ability to get after these use cases in a meaningful way. Yeah, very, very powerful. And I, I can, especially at a time when some of these skills can be hard to find, uh, all the better to, to continue to build them internally. I, I, I imagine that's complemented by some external hiring from time to time, but great that you're also building some of these skills internally uh, as well, especially during a trying time for, for to find great resources for so many. Yeah, no, I think it's an important part of who we've been for a, a long time, right? Um, seven years I've been here, we've always really emphasized kind of ARP skilling, offering opportunities, taking bets on people, right? Um, within the organization, uh, you know, I'm a prime example of that. I hadn't been a CIO before I became one here. And so, you know, our, our CFO, Harmeet Singh, taking a bet on me, the company taking a bet on me and, and allowing me to be serve in this position for the last five years. We do that quite a bit internally as, as opportunities avail themselves. And, you know, we do look internally, uh, not that we haven't hired externally, found a great CISO in Ngazi Izzi who came in from the Fed out of Atlanta, phenomenal uh, uh, leader uh, that's making a difference. So obviously you know, we're blending the two, but certainly as we, Look at opportunities internally. Uh, yes, we're looking at our internal candidates and, and upskilling in this way just you know, makes them uh, more productive uh, internally. And obviously there's a retention play to that as well, no doubt, uh, because, but it's the right thing to do. It's simply the right thing to do. And I think we stand behind doing the right thing uh, every, every, every chance we can. And so I think that's a big, big part of um, the, the values and the culture of the company, frankly, yeah. not something specific to technology. Interesting. Uh, I'd love to dive a little bit further into some of the strategic imperatives you and the team are operating against. What are some of the areas that are focal for uh, 2022 and beyond? Yeah, I'm at, at the highest level, um, as a company, uh, we talk about where to play, right? So brand-led, DTC first, or direct-to-consumer uh, first, and then diversified portfolio. So when I talk about brand-led, we're talking about things like you know, brand equity, sustainability, um, you know, growing uh, category market share, things like that, that are brand led. DTC first, we're talking about direct to consumer um, and just growing that part of our business. You know, historically, we've been a wholesaler, right? That's how people have thought about us. You know, we've got, you know, wholesale is a big part of uh, our company, always will be. But obviously, um, we're leaning into this direct to consumer. So DTC first um, and growing that as a, a share of revenue and a diversified portfolio. When you think of Levi's, the iconic American brand, it's, you know you, you have to kind of double down on what it means to be international. So there's a big push to diversify our portfolio international and grow that as a percentage of our business and certainly beyond jeans, right? We are the jeans company, the original. And uh, so as, you know we're also looking at the growing beyond jeans. Uh, so those would be the three top where to play areas, uh, but they're supported by how to win, right? And so from a strategy standpoint, how to win, we talk about digital transformation um, and, and the things that we're talking about today, um, data and AI driven decision-making and, and being outcome oriented. So value stream oriented, um, operational excellence, no surprise. Um, and then of course, financial dis discipline. So those are the three how to win uh, that all drive into where to play. You've spoken about, for very good reason, uh, in a couple of your answers, the, the sanctity of artificial intelligence, machine learning, the better use of uh, uh, data, the, the ocean of data, no doubt that you and the, you and the yeah. team uh, collect, the company collects more generally speaking. This yeah. is such a, uh, a robust and important topic, but a complex one as well. And now as somebody who's been uh, for more than half a decade in role as chief information officer, talk a bit about the evolution uh, 
in the maturing process of Levi Strauss and becoming more data oriented? How have you, you know, developed the strategy associated with that to ensure that you're marshalling the right resources and plan uh, in order to do it correctly? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I talked about that data strategy task force back in January 2018, kicking off, and and we looked at um, kind of kind of the the strategy and architecture behind kind of the the, the journey we were going to be on in the years going forward. Uh, you know, as part of that work, we that work culminated in hiring uh, you know head of strategy and AI, uh, Dr. Katya Walsh, uh, who is a, a great partner for us. It also culminated in hiring. Dr. Paul Palath, who is my head of data and technology. So Katya on the data science portion and um, Dr. Paul standing with her from a technology perspective and behind them, obviously building out the organization from a data science and you know, ML engineer, feature engineer, all of that could work from a technology perspective. So you know, you know, I think it starts with leaders and building a team always, but kind of the framework that we stood behind and I mentioned it earlier, process, uh, data, technology, people, ways of working, but behind that, from a technology perspective, is you know looking at our uh, systems of record, right? Modernizing our systems of record for always-on data ingestion. Uh, so if you think about you know some of the big bodies of work we have in flight, we, we're implementing SAP S4 fashion. We went live with Mexico. We went live with Canada. We're working on the U.S. now. That's going to be next, and. Uh, uh, as part of the work we're doing now. And so you think about um, S4 fashion, you know, that we're, we're architecting that as a kind of foundational capability, certainly when you think about internal data for always on data ingestions. It's an enormous depository uh, for, and that we can then leverage, obviously, as we look at our AML learning model. So at the base, the systems of record it could be point of sale that we're putting in, certainly ERP. It's both in external, internal data, structured, unstructured data. Um, across you know our retail, wholesale, franchise data set. So really, at the base is really modernizing our systems for always on data ingestion. Uh, layering on top of that, and you mentioned uh, data ocean, right? We actually are putting in a data ocean on GCP, uh, where we're you know obviously the intent is to supercharge that data for AI and machine machine learning applications, and that's both from a, a democratizing data because you, you really have to get the right data in the hands of uh, you know, our business users so they can make data-driven decisions about the business. So it's democratization of the data. And of course, uh, the AI ML use cases that we're going after, you know, again, whether it be uh, creation of product, um, how we assort product, how we manage inventory, how we manage pricing and promotions. Those are all use cases that, that we've deployed and continue to scale globally. Uh, so that's a big part. So these the, the supercharging the data uh, for democratization and AI. And of course, layering on all of that is the experience, the app layer, right? How do we how do we um, get the get the data in the hands uh, of our business users and our consumers and our customers and, uh, and employees the right way? So so that kind of experience layer I mentioned it earlier. You know, there's a platform strategy that layers across all of that and building these experiences on top of that. So. That's kind of how we're thinking about it. Great overview. And I know from our past conversations, uh, you have what you refer to as the Levi Strauss Eureka Innovation Lab. Uh, talk a bit about the role that that body, uh, I believe it's nine years or so uh, since its founding. Uh, what role does that play in some of the innovations that you've described? Oh, absolutely. I mean, a big role. So if you think about what we did, actually original, uh, the original deep learning algorithms that we as a company went after were uh, technology called we call FLX, right? So putting the finishes on a pair of jeans. 
Um, and that sounds easy because there's lasers have been around a long time as well, but how do you do it in a very sophisticated way uh, with respect to the fabric itself, the, the finish of that fabric and, you know, sizing all the way down the line. So early days, we put a, a small group of, uh, you know, it was a group of five actually with the leadership team around it, but really put them over in the Eureka lab to go after what would it mean? Um, and again, it started with how do you eliminate potassium permanganate out of the system, right? You look at the chemicals that are required uh, in that manufacturing process. I mean, it's a big part of who we are, right? Um, cleaning up that supply chain and, and the chemical usage and all that goes into the making of paragenes, right? Um, so, so really, that was the question. But what came out of that is this new capability, laser technology, um, that uh, behind it sits some deep learning algorithms uh, that allow that whole process to be automated. And so that, that was a you know, small group sitting in Eureka, um, both business and technology uh, resources leaning into that problem. Um, so it was really, um, you know, again, uh, a sustainability play um, primarily because you, know, you wanna do the right thing from an environment standpoint. And, and we absolutely stand by that you know, 100% of the time. So that's how it, came about, but what came out of that was an incredible uh, technology for, you know, how do you put a finish on a pair of jeans using a laser technology? And if you think about that process and the number of chemicals it takes out of that process and, and the labor savings and all of that through the manufacturing process, an enormous win, but it started with five people sitting in Eureka uh, with a problem statement um, and then ultimately uh, going after the technology in a very robust way, which, you know, um, obviously, it, it, again, there's a myriad of things that that enabled along the way, right? So how do you, how do you delay uh, kind of manufacturing until you know what the consumer demand is, right? And so obviously you get tremendous speed out of finishing with uh, lasers. Um, so you can postpone kind of decisions around your PC9, PC13s, until you have a better understanding of demand and, and get that into the marketplace. That's interesting. Uh, yeah. I, you mentioned the supply chain and its complexity and, and finding ways to, to, to make it uh, more environmentally sound, et cetera. Yeah. I, I, interestingly enough, you've, you held at both of your, the companies you worked for prior to, to this one, Lululemon and Gap, supply chain roles uh, yeah. prior to uh, taking on a chief information officer role. Chris, I wonder if you've had a chance to reflect on the advantages of having those experiences and how you leverage them as a CIO, having previously uh, had reason to contemplate and lead, uh, lead initiatives, lead teams around supply chain. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, yeah, I actually have uh, quite often, actually, in, in just taking the, the role at Levi's uh, it was a big part of Kind of the pros cons and uh you know how do i take the the learnings from gap uh great company a lot of complexity on par with uh, what we deal with at levi's but inject um the culture and kind of ways of working that that we had at uh, lululemon you know I, I joined lululemon it was about a 700 million dollar business you know four years later when i left to come to levi's is i think it was around 1.9 billion right and so how do you get the, the kind of manage the enterprise at a global scale, but still exercise with speed, agility, quality that kind of we, we are absolutely after from a Lululemon perspective. I think the blending of those two is what you see in Levi's today, right? Large, complex business, uh, certainly, but we, we all, we, we absolutely, you know, we, we went from doing about 50 projects five years ago to executing on 155 this last year. So, so the speed, agility, quality, we did those 155 projects this year, 
while still delivering 99.5% application availability over the last 25 months, consecutive months. So, so that's, you know, that, that's rough translates to about 2,500 changes a month, 30,000 changes a year in your ecosystem. So you think about, you know, the scale of, you know, a, a gap of Levi's, you, you have to show ultimately show up with that, you know, the quality, right? Um, but you still need the speed and agility of a, of a startup, frankly, a, a Lululemon, where you you stand in possibility there's a way to solve things differently, right? And so um, when you look at the 50 going to 155, behind that is, um, you know, 65% agile delivery, right? So we increased agile delivery over the last two years by 34%, and that'll grow this year. And so they're very... Thinking differently about the problem is what I think Lululemon brought. And so you've got this nice blending in Levi's and phenomenal leadership that I have. The leadership team is incredible, both from a business and technology perspective, but speaking about technology, you know, you, you see that speed, agility, quality mantra in everything we do. You see high integrity, authentic conversations in everything we do. Why is that important? It honors a relationship as quick as path to resolution. And so you, you see these real conversations um, happening, which, you know, all, you know, translate into kind of speed and agility and quality that we're able to deliver with. That's a great overview. Speaking of background, uh, you graduated from the United States Military Academy at West Point. You were a mechanical engineer. Uh, you also spent five years as an aviation officer in the U.S. Army. Thank you for your service. Uh, and and I, I, I wonder how your experience in the military prepared you for your business career. You obviously had a technology background uh, through your education, uh, presumably also got invaluable leadership uh, skills even before pursuing a business career. But I, I'm, I'm curious what, 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 you know, how you sort of define that experience uh, as, as a, a key touchstone for you on your pathway towards becoming an executive. Yeah, absolutely. Um... Thank you for that. Uh, yeah, great call out. I think, you know, when you when you when you think about the military and kind of what drives them, you know, it's it's you know, their willingness to sacrifice for a higher purpose. You know, if I summed it up in a word, in a sentence, right? The willingness to sacrifice for a higher purpose. You know, what if you think about what brings me and keeps me at Levi Strauss, right? Um, a higher purpose, right? If you think about the values and culture of a Levi's out in the community, yeah, it's an iconic brand, but really what makes it different is the is the values and the culture we stand behind day in and day out. The tough positions we might take on, you know, hard questions out there in, in the public uh, domain, but we, we, always, we always stand behind our values and culture. And I think that higher purpose um, is kind of, you know, if I connect it all the way back to my military experience is what attracted me to Levi's in the first place and what keeps me here. Um, and so, um, you know, again, obviously, you know, when you're in the military, you know, willingness to sacrifice to that higher purpose, you know, you know, sacrifice takes many forms. Uh, when I think about the teams and going from 50 projects a year to 155 projects a year, and it's not just the number, but it's, it's the, it's what it, what it means, what's, what, what those numbers actually mean from a, a change perspective, an evolution perspective, and all that you have to adapt to as, a, as an organization. And so how do you, how do you uh, put leaders in place that you know, command respect, the confidence, and wholehearted cooperation of those they serve, right? And so a big part of who I hire and the leadership team that I have are those type of leaders. And if you think about that definition of leadership, it's what you find in the military. Right. And so I think there's a lot of uh, connection between my military past and, and how I operate, the leaders I work with and the teams we build today. Yeah. That's a great overview. Thank you for that. 
Uh, I wanted to ask you here at the close, do you have a favorite pair of jeans? Uh, or is that like choosing between your, you're choosing your favorite child? Yeah, no, absolutely. No, it's, it's difficult, but, um, you know, y'all can't see me, but, uh, if you, if you knew my structure, I'm a 541 guy, okay. <laughs> an athletic fit, right? Um, it is, uh, it, it, it gives you more room in the thighs and the caboose, um, but, uh, it is absolutely, it's got the stretch four-way stretch. It's got everything somebody like me needs, uh, frankly. So 541, but I, I, I pivot between 541 and a 502. I was just in India a, a couple of weeks ago, actually, it was our first international business trip, the trip, uh, myself and Harmeet, our CFO went over to see the team. We, we had hired close to 200 people over the last two years in our Bangalore global capability center. And a lot of those folks obviously had not been together. Um, uh, and, and so we brought them together, um, pre, pre Omicron, um, and, and just, and, and again, both virtual and physical, uh, with respect to the individuals, uh, and ensuring we had a safe, uh, safe environment to operate in, but just, you know, um, over there with that team, you know, obviously we, we went to, we always do store visits and kind of get out and shake hands and understand the folks that matter down the front lines, right. Our, our retail store employees and our distribution center employees. We do that as much as possible because that's actually what makes the company move. Uh, but as part of that process, obviously they introduced me to a whole nother set of product. And, uh, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of the, the tops in India market. I'm a huge fan of the, uh, I picked up a pair of 551Zs that were over there. Uh, again, very similar to 541, but, uh, you know, there's, I guess the story, I guess the story there is there's a, there's a lot of great product. I mean, I, I can talk about bottoms, but you know, you, you, you throw in the tops and our evolution on tops. It's a, it's a small percentage of what we, what we do as a company, but it's a massively growing percentage of what we're doing as a company quarter on quarter. Uh, so, yeah, so I've got, uh, you know, India some makes some great tops, obviously some great tops across all markets. Uh, but I do have specific fits that, you know, come down to what works for me. No, that makes sense. Well, Chris Clark, thank you so much for, for a stimulating conversation across a wide array of topics representative of the diverse work that you and your team are doing and the innovation you're driving. I appreciate you taking the time with me today. No, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Appreciate the time. Absolutely.